Life Church on the Rock. Amen. My name is Rashad Cunningham. I'm one of the pastors here at Church on the Rock, and we are so grateful to see all the beautiful this morning and some of the tired faces this morning. And, and that's why we do that, honestly. That's why we do that, to make sure that you're here, that you're engaged, that you're awake. Um, I like feeding off of your energy as you feed off of mine. So we're going to do it one more time for those of you who are new. My name is Rashad, not Rashard, not, not Rashid. It's Rashad, okay? So when I say good morning, Church on the Rock, you say good morning, Rashad. It just lets us know that you're ready to hear a word from God through the message and through the preaching of his word. So good morning, Church on the Rock! Amen, amen. So today we're taking a break from our five-year journey through the book of Romans, and we're going to preach out of the book of Galatians, which means, um, as Bill said when we were speaking, that we're probably adding another six months to our five-year journey on Romans, especially since in the first service, um, I didn't get through the sermon, so it's going to take longer than one week to get through this sermon, so oops. But anyway, um, so what's happened is uh, we are kicking off something in October called FaceTime. FaceTime is our way of looking at the, the 80-plus, 90-plus households that are in this church and saying we want to be accountable for you in ways like never before because as we've grown so fast in three years, from 30 to 300 in like three years, uh, we haven't been able to watch over everybody with a hands-on approach like we wanted to. So we're taking those 90 households and we're splitting them up uh, among all the different leadership that we have in the church so that you have actual accountability, fellowship, accountability, care, and encouragement, where somebody's going to be calling you month by month, checking in, actually saying, how's life going for you in the church? Because we know we failed you as we've grown so fast in making sure we do that. But as we do everything at Church on a Rock, we like to feed before we lead. Before we ask you to submit and surrender to this, we want to show you in the Bible why this is necessary. Because it's not just about the leaders calling and checking in on you. It's about you being open to respond. Galatians 5, uh, verse 25 through Galatians 6, 3. I didn't make it through the sermon in the first service, so I know I'm not going to make it through the sermon in the second service. Uh, so just bear with me. But we're calling this fake reflections, fake reflections. And what I want you to do is I want you to look at that picture, and I want you to just start processing what you see. Because when we brought this up in the Bible study, we had a whole bunch of different responses. Uh, so that apple, imagine that apple is you, okay? The apple is you. Some of us come into church and we only show what's seen in the mirror. That's all we show each other is what's seen in the mirror. I don't want you to see the part of me that's been eating away or I don't want you to see the part that's been devoured by sin or anything. I just want you to see that I got it all together. So when I walk into church, Larry, I'm like this. And how you doing, brother? Man, everything is fine. Everything is good, bro. I just got some new shoes from my wife. Da -da -da -da, you know what I mean? And everything's good. But, but deep down inside, my marriage is failing. Deep down inside, I feel out of touch with God. Deep down inside, I, there's all these things, but I don't want to show that to you because it's church and it's Sunday, and I just want you to know that things are all good. So that's, that's, that's some of us here. Some of us are the apple looking in the mirror 
and we don't examine ourselves. We're the type of people in the church who every time we hear a sermon, we point at everybody else in the church. That's you and you and you and you, uh-huh, and you and you. None of that has to deal with me. So all I see in the mirror is what's in the mirror because I haven't examined myself to understand that there's some sin devouring me. So that's some of us, too. We walk in, and we really do feel that we got it all together. And we really do feel that there's nothing wrong with our lives because we won't examine ourselves in any way to see any of those things. We're too busy looking at everybody else in their business, right? Now, imagine you're somebody looking at this person or this apple. Some of us are actually looking from behind and can see the part that's being eaten away, right? We can see it, but we, we, we really don't care, right? That's not my problem. I see that your life is jacked up in this area. I see the sin in your life, but that's on you, man. You need to figure that out. What is, it's not my responsibility to tell you what's wrong with you. And then some of us just don't have the intimacy to do it. We're like, I would tell them if I actually knew them, if I, if I actually. And so something's got to change. And that's what we're hoping FaceTime does. I mean, people on this side, look at the people on that side. Nine times out of ten, you don't really know them deeply, intimately. And here's the sad part. You don't really care. You don't really care. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I see them every Sunday at church, and I don't even know their names, and I really don't care. Like, I'm here to get what I'm here to get and move on. I don't know if they got kids, they don't got kids. I don't know if they've been here last week, been here for a month. I, don't, I really don't care. And this is church. This is, what, this is what we call church. Like, we come in, and it's just people we gather with on Sunday, and who cares what's really going on uh, with the side that's not in the mirror. So we come in here with our resumes and look how good, look at all the highlights of my life and nobody wants to bring in the background check that says this is what's really going on in my life when you dig deep and nobody wants to engage in those relationships. Well, we will not be that church at Church on the Rock. We will not be that church at Church on the Rock. So FaceTime is going to be very, very uncomfortable for good reason. Why? Because we love you. We love you, and we cannot display that if we don't get into personal, intimate relationships with you. And since we've grown so fast so, and so large, I cannot be that for all of you. A lot of people look across and they go, well, it's not my responsibility to know the other person. That's your responsibility because you're the pastor. Wrong. It's our responsibility together to be accountable for each other. So you may not be best friends with everybody in the church, but do you have any friends in here? Do you have any family in this church? Is there anybody that you're accountable to? Anybody that you could call from within these walls? A lot of people in here right now would say no, and we can't have that. So we must change that. So Galatians 5, it starts like this. It starts like this. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So that's the scripture we'll be looking at for the next two to three weeks now. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we're going we're gonna to start at the beginning. My first, my first point is this. My first point is this. Uh, fake words lead to a fake faith. 
fake words lead to a fake faith. The first part of the scripture that we're looking at in 525, go go to the next uh, slide. It says, if we live by the Spirit, if we live by the Spirit. So we got to open up with some gospel here. That's why I'm so excited. We got to open up with some gospel. So I need you to understand this. This is what live by the Spirit means, okay? You were born in a wrong relationship with God, okay? Everybody in here Believers of 20 years or non-believers, whatever, you were born in a wrong relationship with God. You were born unrighteous. You were born in sin. You, you sin because you're a sinner. That's the Bible, okay? And because of that, you have a barrier between you and God. You have a barrier between you and the creator of heaven. You are on your way to hell as a non-believer, as unrighteous, as not having a right relationship with God. So there's a problem. There's a problem. I don't have right relationship with God when I'm born. So how do I get that right relationship? Well, his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came down, emptied himself in the flesh, lived out what you couldn't live out, died on the cross for your sins so that anyone who believes in him as Lord and Savior shall be saved. Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it's because of his righteousness that you are put into a right relationship with God so that you can dwell in eternity with the Father. That's the basis of the gospel. That that is the basis of the gospel. So what happens is, this is what happens. As a result, the Bible tells us we have a few promises. In Ephesians 1.13, this is what it says. It says, in Jesus, in him, in Jesus, you also, after listening to the message of truth. What is that message? The gospel. After listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, Having also believed in that message, you were sealed in Christ with the Holy Spirit, okay? So all believers, whether you've been believing for 20 years or 20 seconds, the moment that you give your life over to Jesus, you are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus lives inside of you. Jesus dwelt, God himself lives inside of you through the Holy Spirit. That's what the scriptures promise. It goes on and says that this is given as a pledge or a down payment of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Keep going. It says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you believers not know that you are a temple of God and that the spirit of God, what, dwells in you? You have to grasp this. As believers, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. We've been talking about grace for the past uh, three weeks. And that, that divine enablement, that is the spirit. That is, that's the gospel. And that's what brings uh, Paul able to say this in Galatians. In, Gal- in the next verse, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, Rashad, right? But Christ, what? Lives in me. You see that? You see, you see how we're putting this together? Because you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Christ lives in you. That was the promise of you believing. This is, this is remarkable, and this means everything. Why? Because look, the law, which is what Paul is up against here. The law says in the Old Testament, there's 600 plus commandments, and if you want to be holy... 
You need to keep all of them, Jeremy. And if you break one, you break them all. And, 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 and this is the only way that you can dwell with the Father in heaven is by keeping these commandments perfectly. So everybody looks and they start reading the Old Testament. They're like, I can do that, I can do that. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I messed that up yesterday. I messed that up this morning. Like, right? And you're like, whoa. Well, then how would I ever get to heaven, right? If I got to keep all of these commandments. I, I'll never be able to keep these perfectly all the time. I, some of these things are like, if you think wrong, like you're wrong, right? So who's going to heaven? Like, we got a problem. Everybody going to hell. Insert Jesus Christ, right? Christ dies. On the cross, as a, as a sacrifice in the atonement for all these commandments you can't keep, it says, if you believe in me, you get my credit. Like, your credit, 350. My credit, 850. So you get my credit, right? I'm the co-signer on this thing, right? So this, so this is what happens. So this is what happens. Paul is up against, in, in, in Galatians, Paul is up against a crowd or some, some believers who are saying, hey, Jessica, it's not just believing in Christ. You need to believe in Christ and drink Starbucks coffee, right? And you, what you drinking? Speedway. Exactly. You going to hell. No, I'm just waiting. So look, <laughs> no, no. So look, but look, but look. What, what, what they were saying there is this. They were saying it's Christ and circumcision. Right, because that was a Jewish commandment in the Old Testament. You must be circumcised so you're set apart from everybody else. So, it, hey, believe in Christ, yes, but you also must be circumcised. And so it's, it's, this is what legalism is, and we do this today. We say, hey, you can believe in Christ and Christ alone, but you didn't come to church for a month, right? So uh, your salvation might not be real. Or, or you don't read your Bible every day. Your salvation might be real. Or you got mad at your husband. You got mad at your wife. You got, so since, you didn't, since, since it's not Christ alone over here with the legalistic ways, you see what I'm saying? We add something, and now he's not our Savior because he didn't do enough. The cross wasn't enough. You see that? You see that? So it's, it's Christ and Christ alone. And, and so when he says if you live by the Spirit... If you say these words that I believe in Jesus as my Savior, if you say those words and, you, and it's not fake words, then it needs to have a, a, a real faith behind it that Jesus is enough. He's enough. If he's not, then why'd he die? Because, I mean, I, I got, and, then, and then if he's not enough, how much more do I have to do to add to his death? How many times, like, do I got to be there 52 weeks a year or 45? Like, what's, how many days off do I get, y'all? Is there PTO involved in salvation? <laughs> like, you know, like, like you, you see what I'm saying? You will never know. You'll be getting, this is the difference between Christianity and every other religion. You know, the, the peace comes that I didn't do it. He did it. But as you preach that, there comes this other side over here, this, this, this liberalism over here that says, well, if it's just Christ and Christ alone, I ain't serving I ain't giving. I'm going to divorce my wife because she getting on my last nerve. Because all I got to do is say Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, not live it out. And so over here on the liberal side, it becomes fake words too. You see that? So Paul was combating this because here's people trying to make it legalistic, and he's like, no, 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 it's Christ alone. But then people would take that and run over here and say, well, then I ain't got to do nothing. I can do what I want to do because it's Christ alone, right? Like, I just say the right words. Who cares what I'm living? And once again, the fake words lead to a fake faith. Because over here with the legalistic people, they're missing the Savior part. 
Christ is the Savior part, right? But over here with the liberal people, they're missing Christ is Lord, meaning he is in control of my actions, my thoughts, my life. I surrender all to him. You see the balance there? You see how that's supposed to balance out? And so what happens is we get to Galatians 5, 6, and look what it says here. It says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. So the legalistic outward parts mean nothing in Christ Jesus. But faith, working, operating, producing through love. In other words, real faith works. Real faith works through love. Look at this. So I'm not doing, I'm not serving you this morning. I'm not preaching you, preaching to you this morning to earn my salvation. I don't give to earn my salvation. I don't attend church to earn my salvation. I don't watch my mouth and not cut somebody out to earn my salvation. I don't stay faithful to my wife to earn my salvation. That's the legalistic side. But because I'm saved, I do all of those things. It, it, faith is the root Love is the fruit that is produced from that root. Faith is the seed that produces. It produces those things. So there's a balance. Yes, those things don't save you, but the evidence of salvation is produced in those things. Can you see the balance there? Can you see how it has to happen that way? So then this is what he says to the, to the, the liberal side. He goes and he says, hey, you were called to freedom. You are free. You're free. He says, but brethren, don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Don't, don't allow this freedom, this, this I'm not tied down to these religious structures and traditions. Don't give that. Don't make it an opportunity for your flesh to do whatever you want. Instead, through love, serve one another. So you know what? You're right. You ain't got to come in here and serve. It ain't going to get you into heaven. But then you're given that freedom that you don't have to do it to be an opportunity for your flesh. You ain't got to give. It's hard times. You ain't got But you're given an opportunity for your flesh. You ain't got to be faithful. I mean, your, your faithfulness to your wife or your husband, it don't get you in heaven, right? Jesus Christ alone. But you're turning it into an opportunity for an excuse. This is what we do. This is what we do. We're like, well, the Bible says I can get a divorce if. I'm like, Did you read it, though? He doesn't want you to get a divorce. Matter of fact, one of the greatest miracles is people staying together through infidelity. God gets glorified like never before right there. But we, we take anything and say, well, technically, couldn't I? And you're just trying to find a way out. And it's like, don't give an opportunity for your flesh. Love. Serve one another through love, right? And so what happens is fake words lead to fake faith, and those things start to destroy the church. Look, this is what's going on in Galatians. It says, but if you bite and devour one another... Take care that you are not consumed by one another. Why? Because this is what happens. When, when the faith is fake, you have people over here on this side that walk into church, and all they're looking to do is devour, devour, bite, consume for all the things you ain't doing right according to what they believe. Rashad, you don't preach in a suit. What kind of preacher? Rashad, you don't read out the KJV. Rashad, you don't, you know, like, this is what people do. They come in, and they, and they bite, 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 and they start Eating up. But then there's people way over here on the other side who are like, I'm not doing nothing. I'm free in Christ. Grace, grace, grace. He's still working on me. No accountability. Don't hold me accountable to nothing. Blah, blah, blah. And so what's happening? They, they get the biting. They get the devouring. And the church is consumed and the church dies. 
because of these two sides that are both incorrect because it's fake words of Savior, Lord, but no actual living it out. Fake words, fake faith, because what, we, what have we said all year? Um, your, your belief will birth an actual behavior. You will show us what you believe by how you behave, okay? So if you're behaving over here with the legalists and saying Christ is not enough through your actions, and we, we see what you believe. You don't believe the cross was enough. But if you're over here saying, I don't have to do what the Bible says, I can do what I want to do, then you're showing us that Christ is not your Lord. And what you see is fake words, fake faith. You see that? Now, that's the foundation of this, because he says, if we live by the Spirit, if the Spirit actually dwells inside of us, look what he says in the next part. He says, um, if we live by the Spirit, then we should walk by the Spirit. So my next point is this, a fake walk leads to fake following, okay? Fake walk, a fake life, a fake lifestyle, it leads to fake following. You're not really following Christ. So go into that scripture. He says, let us walk by the Spirit. And this walk is not our normal word in the Greek for walk. So military people, where you at? Any military people? Boom, 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 boom. All right. Um, I, when, I was in the, when I was in boot camp in the Navy, I had the privilege of being the cadence caller, Charles, the cadence caller. So the cadence caller gets to kind of walk to the side of the group, right? And kind of gets to walk in the front, and you call cadence. One, two, one, two, yeti, you four. You're one, two, one, two, yeti, you four. Live, live. And so everybody had to go off my cadence. Live, live, keep it in step. This, this word for walk is to keep in step with the spirit. That's what it means in the Greek. To actually, when the spirit says left, you go left, left, left. You keep in step with the Spirit. That's what it means, that you're actually living out what earlier in the text says is the fruit of the Spirit. You're keeping in step with the Spirit. The Spirit is your cadence caller. So if he lives in you, he's calling cadence in your life. Stick it out in your marriage. Parent without exasperating. Be faithful at work. Be faithful in church. Serve. Give. He's calling out the steps that you're supposed to be keeping in step with. So if he lives in you, then you should be walking by that cadence. Last night, I did your beautiful birthday party, right? Right? All right. And like, like every birthday party or wedding that I DJ, I played the cha-cha slide, right? And so in the cha-cha slide, somebody's calling out cadence. Down, down, do it to the left, to the left, to the to the right, to the right, right. And so he's calling out the cadence. To the left, to the left, to the left, to the right, to the now kick, kick, kick. And if you don't do that, you're out of step. And there's always that one person. <laughs> that one person who is who can hear the same thing you can hear. To the left, to the left. They're like, I'm gonna do it to the right. Mm -hmm. I'm different, right? And it's like. To the right, to the right. No, I'm going to the front. Cause I, and they just want to do it their own way. He's like kicking. They dropping it, right? Like, what are you doing? Like, just go to the left. Just go to the right. Just kick. You know what I'm talking about, right, Billy? <laughs> Billy, is like, I don't even know what she was doing, right? And probably can't even do the stuff up here myself. But, look, but, but, but like, it's like, Billy, just go left. Billy, just go right. But Billy got her own moves. But that's the church. That's the church. Hey, just love one another. Mm -mm. Because these expectations weren't met for my love. Or I got a new way to love people. It's called no forgiveness. 
Like, like, I know it. Right? Like, like, the, the Bible's like, just love, just forgive, just, the, just for all people, even your enemies. Well, I'm a, let me adjust that dance move. I'll love all this except for my enemies, right? And, I'll, and all of a sudden, you're not in step. Now you're not in step because he's called the cadence. All you have to do is follow what he said to do. And you're not in step. You're tripping, Kaylee. Anyway. <laughs> so he says, let, if, if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. What does that look like to keep in step? Well, first of all, let us not become boastful. The word boastful, all right? Uh, so kenosis is when Jesus emptied his deity into human form and wrapped it into flesh, right? So God empties himself in the flesh and wraps himself with flesh. That's what the kenosis is, right? And then, and, and then doska means glory or credit or whatever. So it's, it's empty glory. It's like bragging about something that you can't brag about. Like, I'm an I'm a awesome white guy. Right? You'd be like... Exactly. Like, you're not white, first of all. You're not awesome, second of all. Kind of, you, you see that, though? Like, like, how can I brag about being an awesome white guy? I'm not, I'm not white. I'm black, right? And I'm just trying to make this work for you, but it's, it's boasting <laughs> about something that you cannot boast about. And so, any, so spiritually, people walk in here, and you think you are all of that. I'm just going to stop right there, okay? All of that in the bag of chips. Okay, now look. Now, now look. But, but you're not. Because if you listen to anything we just said in the last sermon series, everything you do right is by the grace of God. It's the divine enablement of God that, that has you in here right now. So how can you walk in here being boastful in your chest out and boobada-boobada-boobah, right? Like, how can you be that towards anybody else in here that walks in here broken? How, how can you be that? How can you judge? How can you look? If you know, if you really believe that it's only because of the divine enablement of God working inside of you that you are what you are. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. By the divine enablement of God, I am what I am. Not by my works, not by what I put together, not by what I read. This sermon isn't good because of my study. If it does anything, it has to be the grace of God working in you, not my words. You see that? So who can boast, right? But this is what it looks to be not walking in step with the Spirit. Because you're boasting as if it was you and not the Spirit. He goes on and he says another way to keep in step is to not be challenging one another. This is looking at people and saying, that... I challenge you to a duel. Like, like this is a, hey, 21, you and me, basketball court right now. You know what I mean? Like, this is what, it's, it's, a, it's like an athletic challenge. I challenge you. And people do this too. They walk in here with their big theology, their big old heads of puffed up pride. And, and, and we see this most often with Calvinist and Arminian. They walk into the church and they're claiming not Christ, they're claiming Calvin or Arminian. And they want to argue about the order of salvation when I'm sitting here in the middle saying, hey, here's all I know. If anybody calls on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. The order of that salvation? I don't know. I see both. But this is what I do know. Anybody calls on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So there's no need for us to come in here and challenge one another on whether Calvin was right or whether Arminian was right. You know who's right? Christ is right. 
So if you call on the name of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you'll be saved. When I get to heaven, I'll ask God, was it Calvin or was it Arminian? I don't know. But what I know right now for sure is whoever calls on the name of the Lord is saved. And if you stop challenging one another, what you'll find is that you both believe that. The Calvinist is like, hey, God chose us before the beginning of the foundations of the earth. And so anybody who believes was chosen in the beginning. And then I say to the Calvinist, so what they got to do to prove that? They got to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, and then the Arminian comes over here and he's like, hey, the only way we're saved is if we, through our own will and blah, 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 can respond to the message of God. And, and, and I say, so what they got to do to be saved? They got to call on the name of Jesus Christ to be saved. So both of them agree with the end result. They just disagree on how it gets there. No need for, why divide the church over that? Why does it keep in step with the spirit, not Calvin or Arminian? You can... You can have your theological understandings of that. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not telling you don't believe what you believe. But I'm saying, why, why challenge one another on that to divide? I'm not saying stop believing where you've searched scriptures and got to keep that. But why challenge one another? Because then you start to look like Democrats and Republicans. You start to look like blacks and whites. You start to look, I mean, all the things that divide this yet-to-be-United States of America, that's what you look like when you like Team Calvin, Team Arminian. How about team love, team Christ, team forgiveness, team power in the spirit, team keeping step? Imagine me calling cadence, and when I'm doing left, you got people saying, man, every time we say left, we're going right, just because we just team right. And you got team left, and what we look like? We, we definitely don't look like this naval unit ready to go out in the battle together, right? So, so like, I, whoo. All right, so, so challenging one another. The next one envying one another. The best way to sum this up, haters. <laughs> haters. The word literally means when you get sour and bitter over somebody else's success. We got a lot of haters in the church. Every time there's a mega church anywhere in America, you got a whole bunch of people saying there must be some kind of some kind of hypocrisy or heresy for them to have that many people at that church. There's something they're not doing right. Haters. Haters. The first church had 3,000 on one day. The, the, the first, like they had an explosion of 3,000 on one day. I, I don't see y'all talking about them, right? But every time we see a mega church, we got something to say, right? Or every time we see, a like people talk about our church. We went from 30 to 300 in three years. Obviously, he's too liberal. He, he lets anybody. Blah. Like, that's what they said, right? They, they dog us. Oh, they dog us. He ain't preaching in a suit, and he be wearing that, and blah. Haters. Right? It, it, right, mama? Who cares, right? Who, who cares? Who cares? And I love how Paul said in the Philippians. In Philippians, Paul said, you know what? There are some people out here preaching with the wrong motivation. They're literally doing it to get on my nerves. But I checked the message. They're preaching Christ. And here's all I got to say. Whether they do it for the right reason or they do it for the wrong reason, the fact is they preach in Christ. And in that, I rejoice. I rejoice. I don't care why you preach in Christ. You may, you may be preaching Christ just to get a bigger house. And a bigger car. But if I check your message and it's biblical, you preaching Christ. You got to answer to God for what your motivations are. Not me. 
I'm just praising God that you preach in Christ. So to the mega church, to the itty bitty church, I don't care if Christ is being preached. I'm not hating on you. But this is what they be doing. This is, these are the things that were devouring the church, and they devour the church today. Because I'm, we'll sit over here and, and we'll promote somebody. I'll be like, Andrew, Andrew, we are promoting Andrew to be the next pastor, blah, 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 over watching him for the last year and a half, whatever, whatever. And after seeing the way he's worked, we're going to promote. Somebody, somebody who's boys with Andrew going to be like, man, how Andrew get that spot? Man, like, I mean, I'm cool with him. That's my boy. But, you know, I know some stuff about Andrew. If I just told the pastor, I bet you he changed his mind. You hate her. Like, this is, this is in the church. This is literally in the church. Oh, so-and-so's a worship leader. Ah, uh, he can't sing anyway. I don't know why they chose it. And all you're doing, all you doing is hating because of somebody else's success. And, and these are the things that are not keeping us. Why aren't you rejoicing that God is raising up more leaders, more pastors, more preachers, more, more whatever he's doing? Why, why not just rejoice in that? But you, but you hate somebody else's success, and that, that's just a, that's a fake walk. That's a fake following. And so that leads us into, that, that overflows right there um, into Galatians 6.1, and this is where we're going to be for the next two weeks, obviously. But um, um, give me, give me the, the points first. So, so a fake worth leads to fake family, okay? So we have fake words lead to fake faith. A fake walk leads to a fake following, and a fake worth, value, leads to fake family. So let me start with this. Everybody in here knows that when I talk to you, I'm like, what's up, bro? What's up, sis? What's up, mama? Right? I call a few people in here pops because they're like a father to me. Um, I call people my nieces, you know, like because I see family, right? I don't just see it. I try very hard not to use the word congregation and use family when I talk about us. And, and it reminds me of your worth to me. It's, it's the reason I go as hard as I go for you because I really see you as my family. It's the same way that uh, Jesus, we said this last week, Jesus was in the house and he said, who's my mother, who's my father, who's my brothers, who's my sisters, except for those who do the will of the father with me, right? Like who, who's my family? Not even blood, those who do the will of the father with me. So I go, I go above and beyond for family and I see you as family and I place that value, I actually place that worth on you. But you come in here and maybe you use the language, but it's not real. You don't really value each other that way and it shows in your behavior. Your behavior shows us what you, what you actually believe. How, how many of you can name six people in this church not directly related to you and know what's going on in their life? You know what I mean? Think about that. But we call each other a family. I'm not asking you to know everybody, just six people, just six. So when he says brethren in, in, in Galatians 6.1, understand what that is. It's literally seeing people as family. And that's important because there's also false brethren in the church, fake brothers in the church. Who are those fake brothers? Those are the people trying to cause the divisions. If you look, if you look at, go to my next verse right there, uh, Leah. If you look at Galatians 6.2, it says, uh, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Go to my cross-reference. Do you see the cross-reference? Go to the next one. Go to the next one. I think it's the next one. Yep, right here. So look, so Paul took Titus to go kind of 
show everybody, hey, it's okay for me to preach to the outsiders. It's okay for me to be preaching the gospel to the non-believers. Uh, Jesus literally commissioned me, and he was going to kind of prove a point. Uh, and he took this brother named Titus with him. And Titus was a Greek who was not circumcised and didn't feel the need to be circumcised because of the gospel message. Everything that we j just talked about. Circumcised, uncircumcision, doesn't matter, right? But look at this. Um, keep going. Next verse. It says, but it was because of the false brothers, the fake brothers, secretly brought in who had sneaked in to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, in order to bring us into bondage. So in other words... We have some liberty here. People come to church wearing football jerseys. I got a shirt on that says dope. And, and like every, we, we take liberty in the fact that we can wear what we want to our gathering. But false brothers will come in here as family. Hey, I'm family. I'm a brother. And, da -da, and they will look to take away your liberty. They just start just murmuring about every little thing that they don't agree with because it's too liberal for them. And they start pointing out every little detail of the church. And then they start winning some people over to this side while the others are over there fighting for their liberty. And all of a sudden, you got everything that we just talked about. Right? Because they're fake brothers. They look like us. They walk, they talk like us. But when you start seeing their motives, they're in here trying to steal, kill, and destroy in a sense. Right? It goes on, uh, another example here, go to my next one, Romans 6, 17, look what Paul says, now I urge you, brethren, real, real bro brothers and sisters, keep your eye on those who do what? Cause dissension and hindrances, contrary to the teaching which you learned to turn away from them. Why? Keep going. For such men are slaves, but not of our Lord Jesus Christ, but of their own appetites, and by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. They're fake. Because they're literally in here trying to cause dissension, trying to move and shake. And it's like, and so, and, and so people literally get upset with me as a pastor when I try to protect the flock. And I'm like, hey, brother so-and-so, he's awesome. He ain't preaching here because he's literally trying to go against what we're preaching. He's going, oh, sister so-and-so, yep, she can't give her testimony here because she's trying to use it as a way to push something. Like, I'm, my job is to protect the flock from that, Right. And so that's what I try to do. But people were like, that's my cousin. I don't care if it's your cousin. I don't care if it's your mama. <laughs> like, no, I have to protect the flock. We must protect this house. Like, Under Armour, right? <laughs> like, never mind. Y'all ain't there. All right. So <laughs> go, my next, go my next thing. So, so look at this. So he says, brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, caught literally means one of two things. You're running from your sin. That's my run, right? Like, <laughs> and and sin catches up with you and overtakes you. It's like you're running for the touchdown and sin tackles you and you've been caught in your sin. Or, or it's literally to, to say they didn't realize, like you're on the other side of the apple. They didn't realize this sin that you see. Maybe they, they haven't read that scripture. Maybe they didn't know that was a, a sin. And so they've been caught in it. You've, you've recognized it. It says if anyone is caught in any, in any trespass, whatever it is, you who are spiritual. Now, who are the spiritual? The ones who keep in step with the Spirit. Not the ones who know the Bible front to back. That doesn't make you spiritual. I know a lot of you think you're spiritual. I'm here to tell you as your pastor, a lot of you ain't. Because you know a whole lot of Scripture and you can't love nobody. You know a whole lot of church etiquette. You know how stuff should be ran. But you can't lead nobody because you can't love nobody. Then you want to get mad when you're not put in leadership. And all I'm asking you to do is love. 
I'm like, hey, I'll put you in leadership once you start loving people. Well, I know the Bible. That's cool. Satan know the Bible. Demons know the Bible. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can you love? Can you love when it hurts, when it goes against you, when it don't add up, when it don't make sense? Can you love? Right then. Why? Because that's who the spiritual. I mean, we're in context now. Different chapters, same letter, right? We're in the context. The fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, right? Long-suffering, patience. So you who actually live that out, and give me my, give me my next verse, look at this. So this is, what, this is what Paul said. He said, I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritually mature men. Why? Then he goes on, he says, but I had to speak to you as men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not able. This is why. For you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you. So they could know, they, the Corinthians, might, maybe they know the Bible. They knew the Bible. Okay, cool. They know the Bible. But there's jealousy and strife among you. So y'all sitting here, man, Pastor Shah need to be teaching deeper theology on Sunday morning. Man, you can't even love. Why am I, why am I be talking about all these, these big, deep theological topics when you can't even do the basic love? Just love. What are we teaching on today? Love. Man, we, we talk about that every week, and you still ain't done it. <laughs> every week you talk about love. You still ain't loving. <laughs> right? Like... We can't move forward until y'all start loving. And what does that look like? That's what FaceTime is. It's pushing it. It's saying, hey, somebody's going to give you that fellowship or make sure you have it, hold you accountable, care and encouragement. That's what this is about. It's about being able to walk through those doors and know that you're loved enough so that you can reveal the other side of yourself, trusting that the person won't hurt you, won't devour you, won't consume you. Don't you want to feel that? I'm, I, I'll tell you what. I know I get critiqued for being so vulnerable, but I tell you, it feels good. It feels so good to walk in here and be like, look, y'all just going to hear what I'm going through and just love me through it. I don't want to walk in here and have to put on a front every, it's, man, it's so tiresome. It's so tired just walking in here and I got to force this small out so there ain't nobody talking about me behind my back. I'm, I'm going to tell you exactly what it is in my life. You ask me how I'm doing, get ready. <laughs> Get ready, because I'm going to tell you exactly how I'm doing on that, on that given day. Because I trust that you guys love me. But the question is, do y'all love each other? Do you love each other? So, like, um, oh, I got a little bit more time. Whew. Okay, okay, okay. So, so I, want, I want you to see this. Uh, go, to my next, go, go to my next scripture. Look, so you who are spiritual, those who are walking in step, Okay, that means that's not everybody. Some of you aren't walking in step. You know who you are, but you who are spiritual, and that's kind of how we choose leadership here. Like who's walking in step with the spirit? You who are spiritual do what? Restore. Now let me tell you something. That word hurts. I'm just going. It's a it's a it's a medical term in the Greek. If I if I break this finger, we set it back in place. And we bring another finger. Good thing I did this finger first. All right, <laughs> we bring another finger up, and we put buddy tape or gauze tape around it to hold it in place until it's restored, all right? Now, now notice something, all right? You bring another finger alongside of it after it's been corrected, and you hold it in place until it's healed. A lot of us won't stay in place until the person's healed because we ain't got time for it, right? Like, Tyson, I know you were struggling, man. Here's a scripture. Let's go eat one meal, and then I'll holler at you in three months. And you're like, bro, Okay, you set me correct, but you ain't 
There's nothing to hold me up to, to actually make me heal. I need to come alongside you and stay there until there's some healing done. That's why for some of, some of you know when we've done marriage counseling, it's a year and a half. Like we, we're a year and a half together. And people are like, you did a year and a half? Yes, I was there until they healed, until they actually healed. I didn't just do it for three weeks and then say, well, time's up. Got to go. That'll, like, that's not restoring, right? But restoring hurts because this is where your church discipline comes. And don't nobody in the United States of America want church discipline. We want a church where we can just do whatever we want and never get kicking people out of church. Who does that? The Bible. The Bible does it. Give me my next verse. Look at this. It goes on. This is what Jesus said. If your brother sins, so caught in sin, right? You go and show him his fault in private. So that's bomber. It's just me. It's just you and me. Hey, man, I saw you was going through this. I, I, I recognize this. Maybe you didn't recognize it, or maybe you did. You came to me. You need to make this adjustment, blah, 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 and I'm going to stay with you until you're healed. And if he listens to you, guess what? You've won your brother. You've restored your brother, okay? But look at this. Keep going. It says, but if he doesn't listen to you, take one or two more with you. So by the, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact can be confirmed. So, hey, I want you to come with me, and we're going to go to him because he didn't listen. He's still in that sin. So you and me and Kate and you and, and you, let's, let's go and talk to the brother in love, gentleness, spiritually mature to restore him, right? And David's fine. He's fine. I'm just picking on him right now, right? Oh, all right. So look at this. Look at this. But look at this, and if he refuses to listen to them, and he refuses to listen to even the church, so that means, hey, we got a big meeting we got to have, okay? Hey, I didn't want it to get this far, but it has to because he's still not listening. Everybody, Dave Nussbaumer is not blah, 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 all right? Can we all pray over this man and come alongside this man and da, da, da? If he won't even listen to that, then let him be as a Gentile or a tax collector or as an outsider to you. You see that? But what... What would that do in the community? People would be like, they kicked somebody off the church? What kind of church is that? A biblical church. A biblical church. And, and so you see how this FaceTime can get real uncomfortable real quick because somebody's going to call you and say, hey, I've noticed that um, you've been spending a lot of time with a female that's not your wife. Now, yes, I'm in your business. <laughs> It's my responsibility because I love you. And this isn't some tattletale type. No, no, I'm in your business because I love you. And that's dangerous, brother, sister, whatever. Hey, Rashad, I noticed when you left church the other day, it was you and one other person. And you, we put things in place for that not to be you and a female. Uh, you shouldn't have been walking out that door with that female walking out the door. I don't care who it is. This is something that we said you can't do. I, I do what I want to do. I'm the pastor. Okay, let me bring a couple. Okay, Jason, come on. Okay, Brent, come on. Andrew, come on. Hey, Rashad, once again, I'm, man, I'm the pastor. Okay, church, do we agree that he can't be walking out with just another female? That I, I'm the pastor. Bye, pastor. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It, it, because if not, then anybody is a member, and we're not set apart no more like we talked about last week. So look at this. It goes on. Uh, give me the next one. So look, so, here, so that's, there's, there's one side of that that can get legalistic, but it's always to restore. But look at this other side right here. This is the church that wants to be the, the liked church. Paul says to the Corinthian church, it's actually reported that there is immorality among you, an immorality of, of such a kind as this don't, the Gentiles, the world don't even do this. He's like, there's, there's been a report of some things going on in the church that the world don't even do. And, and it says that someone has his father's wife. That means a son is sleeping with his father's wife. I'm going to assume a step. 
white. I'm, I'm going to assume it's like his stepmom. But who knows? I mean, it just says his father's wife. I don't know what that looks like. But it's the, even the world don't do this, right? Now, look at this. But, but they, in their arrogance of look at us, the graceful church, where anybody can exist and be a member and all. He, he says, you become arrogant and you have not mourned instead so that the one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst. They, they didn't bring it to any accountability because we're the grace-giving church where you can sleep with your father's wife and still exist here. We just, you know, it, hey, you know, you said Jesus is Lord. That's good enough for us, right? And so what happens is, he says, for on my part, though absent in the body, but present in the spirit, you've al- I, he's already judged him, um, who has committed this as though he was present. Go on. He says, in the name of the Lord Jesus, when you are assembled and I with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, he says, I've decided to deliver such a person, that person, to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. Why? So that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. So even kicking somebody out of the fellowship, the congregation, is so that they're humbled to be restored back into the church. Even church discipline is to restore, to to remove somebody is to restore them back. You're hoping that they're humbled and they're brought back in. He says, your boasting is not good. Why? Do you not know a little leaven leavens the whole? If you let that slide, just watch how everything starts sliding. Well, hey, I ain't serving, but at least I ain't sleeping with my father's wife. You see how that works? I ain't giving, but I ain't, but y'all cool with him sleeping with his father's wife. You see how that starts working? It starts to just flow over into everything. So, so this is what happens. Um, people take that to the extreme, but then on the flip side, they see this verse, and then they, they do this right here. It says, he says, I wrote you in my letter um, not to associate with immoral people. And I'm about to close out right here. So, so you got the people over here who are like, hey, you know, we let anybody do anything because they said Jesus is Lord and whatever. And nobody wants correction, and nobody wants accountability, and we're not going to have that, okay? But then we're also not going to have the people, the legalists over here, who say, yes, and because we're not going to have that, nobody can come around here that's doing any kind of sin. Like, we don't want nobody of the world to be among us because we need to stay holy, right? And so look what he says. He says, I wrote you in my letter. Go back real quick. Not to associate with immoral people. Keep going. He goes, I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world. And that's another problem in the church. Is that you think immoral people, when Paul is talking, is the world. But here's my question. How can you be the light among the darkness if you won't even engage with the darkness? Huh? How? Let me tell you something. The world is going to be the world. Get over it, Christians. Okay? Why do you expect the world to be anything other than the world? You're literally trying to hold the world accountable to Christian standards. That makes no sense. I've never understood that. He says, he says um, I did not mean all, I mean, I did not at all mean with the immoral people of the world or with the covetous or the swindlers or the idolaters. Uh, for then you would have to go out of the world. You have to remove yourself. And people critique me for DJing. They're like, don't people drink at the party? Like, yeah, yeah, they, they do. Yeah. And, and then they hear uh, DJ speak, the pastor and the DJ. And they're like, you're a pastor? And it's like, oh, that's why you didn't want none to drink. Oh, that's why you look different. Oh, that's why all the music is edited. Oh, that's why. And what church you go to? And, and how do they ever hear that if you're not among them? If you're not willing to engage with them, Right. So, so, so look what he says, but look at this, but actually I wrote you to not associate with the fake brother. 
The fake Christian, if he is an immoral person, covetous, idolater, or a reveler, or a drunkard, or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. Why? Because he's in here fronting. He don't, he don't look no different than the world in here. So this is where we hold you accountable. Yet, Yes, I am going to give you a call and say, why are you cussing people out? For real. Like, I saw, yes, I saw your Facebook post. You shouldn't be posting that. It's my Facebook. It's the Lord's Facebook. If, if you if you one of us, it ain't, it's not yours. Yeah, yes, you need to stick it out in your marriage. No, I don't care that sister so-and-so left hers for the same reason. I don't care about what she's doing. Parents, don't you hate when your child come back and say, well, so-and-so's mama let that. I don't care what so-and-so mama do. I ain't responsible for so-and-so. I ain't their mama. Same way. I'm not their pastor. If you have, look, look at this. If you have joined Church on the Rock, you have called myself and Jason Servizi your pastor. You've called our deacons your deacons. You've called our care leaders your care leaders. That doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes at all, and we hold each other accountable to those mistakes. But we will call you out going forward on what you're not doing, not because we're trying to find a way to pummel you, but because we love you. This is how you grow. This is what discipleship looks like. This is what restoration is. This is what it is. It's coming alongside of you and saying, brother, that's not the way to keep in step with the spirit. Let me show you. This is what left looks like. This is what left looks like. And and so I'm not just going to tell you how to do it. I'm going to walk with you because that's what the spirit did with us. He didn't just tell us what to do, love God, love others. He gave us everything we needed through the Holy Spirit to live that out. See how it ties all the way back around to the beginning? And so, uh, keep going, Leah. And so he says, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church? When when somebody from the world says, you can't judge me, I go, you right. (laughs) When somebody in the church says, you can't judge me, I go, you wrong. (laughs) And this is where people walk out the church and never come back. This is when people quit church right here. Because something's been brought up, holding them accountable, and because they're not ready to deal with it and they don't want to deal with it, they leave. And so next week we'll talk about how to hold each other accountable because there is an approach for you who are spiritual on how to do it. But first it starts with those of us who are being held accountable, including myself. I have four mentors in my life who, who get on me for every scripture I preach, for every way I lead and everything, and I'm accountable to them. And it doesn't always feel good. There's sometimes I, I, I tell my wife, I don't even want to meet this week because I already know what I did wrong. I don't even want to hear it. But I have to. I have to because it's the only way I grow. So as we get the uh, worship team to come up here, oh, I did okay. I did okay. A little long. <laughs> this, is, this is what I want you to do. Um, when this happens, when this starts, when this begins, the atmosphere at Church on the Rock in particular will start to change. Okay? Um, you'll stop walking through that door and feeling like you don't exist to anybody in here. You'll stop walking through that door and feeling, by, and, and feeling like nobody even knows if you're here or not because if you're not, somebody's going to call you and say, hey, I didn't see you. I just want to check in. I haven't seen you for three or four weeks. Is everything okay? I'm holding you accountable. 
When you're, when you're not serving, it's not going to be that, that you're just sliding under the radar. No, no, no. Somebody will say, hey, I haven't seen you serving in anything. Why not? I haven't seen you at the chili cook-off. I and, and, and I want you all to get ready to get bothered. And if you don't want to be bothered, you don't want to be a church on the rock. Okay? If you don't want to be bothered, you probably don't want to be here. Because that's the shift we're making. Why? Because we're trying to manifest heaven on earth. That's what we're trying to do. So to do that, we have to live set-apart lives, and we have to bother one another to be set-apart, to be different, to be holy. So please, get ready for this shift. It's going to be amazing, and it's going to, it's going to build intimacy like never before where we become real family with one another. All right? So let's stand up. We're going to sing Heroes in Heaven. Listen to the words. Feel the words. Let them speak to you. Let them minister to you as much as the sermon itself. The atmosphere is changing now. For the Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around. That the Spirit of the
out, before, before we close out, um, the words right there, the, the miracle can happen now because when you start loving people like this, when you start restoring and allowing yourself to be restored in these tough conversations and things, uh, it's a miracle because th this is what the world can't do. It's, they will know us by our love for one another. Even with all of our differences, even when it hurts, even when we don't like it, they will know us by our love for one another because it's a miracle. It's supernatural, right? And then, and so when we see that, that the spirit of the Lord is present because it's the him inside of you and you walking in step with him, that people can actually see the presence of Jesus Christ himself through you and the evidence becomes all around. So this is what we're trying to do here at Church on a Rock. This shift is, is, is to, to be here as heaven is. It's, it's the thy kingdom come moment for Church on a Rock, and we want you to be a part of that. But we want you to understand that it, it will be different and uncomfortable, but, but that's because it's God. <laughs> it goes against everything that we, we would think is the right way to do it. So please just take that in and dwell on that this week. And maybe before you leave, find somebody and just check in on them. Get their number and push past Sunday because Sunday's not enough. It's just not enough to love the way we've been called to love. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning of two dynamic services, Father, uh, because of your word working in us, because of your worship working through us. Father, we thank you for the words of Paul to the Galatians. We thank you for being able to identify our own church family within that. May we um, be a family, an actual family who prioritizes one another, Father. May we be a family, Father, who is not afraid to be real with one another, to be authentic, to be raw, and know that our brethren will not run out on us when they see the ugliest sides of our apple. Father, I'm asking for you to just do the work that you promised you would do through the Spirit in us to fulfill your will for this church. It's in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. You guys have a beautiful, beautiful week. This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock in Brownsburg, Indiana. We hope that it has challenged you to grow deeper in your walk with Christ. If you would like any information about our church, please visit our website, www.churchontherockbb.com.